Folks, have you checked out the Irish History Podcast shop recently? Right now, I have a sale of 30% off everything when you use the code SALE30. So go to irishhistorypodcast.ie forward slash shop and get 30% off everything when you use the discount code SALE30. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to the Irish History Podcast. My name is Finn DeWire. Now they say a picture is worth a thousand words. But in this show, I'm going to try and reverse engineer that phrase and see if a thousand words can conjure up a decent picture. The focus of the show is the incredible fortification of Conway Castle in northern Wales. Now, you've probably heard me talk about it a bit in the show before. I love Conway. It's really spectacular. Last week, I organised a trip to the castle for listeners who support the show. And while I was there, I recorded this episode for you tuning in from home. I took a mic and walked along the walls of the medieval town of Conway and then through the 750-year-old castle. Along the way, I tried to use the sounds of the spaces, the buildings, the walls and towers to convey not only the gripping story behind the immense fortification of Conway, but also to describe what it looks like today and explain how its defences worked back in the Middle Ages. Now, if you do want to see pictures of what the castle looks like today, I have posted some at patreon.com forward slash Irish podcast. That post isn't locked, so you don't need to be a supporter to check it out. You can see those images right now at the link in the show notes below. Finally, I want to thank all the supporters who came on the Conway trip. It was a really great weekend. I had such a fun time. If you're a supporter, keep an eye out for the next trip. I have a few ideas in the pipeline for something in early 2023. I really hope you can join me. Sound on this episode was by Kate Dunley. Now, let's head to Conway. So it's a Sunday morning here in Conway and I'm watching the sunrise over the castle and I'm walking along the town walls of medieval Conway. And before I bring you into the castle later on, I'm just going to explain a little bit of the history of this part of the world while I'm walking along these walls. They're really spectacular. The wider landscape is important in terms of the story of Conway, so I'm just going to explain that. So to my southeast, 
the mountains of Snowdonia rise pretty sharply in front of the town walls. Then to the north, the town hugs the line of the Conway River estuary. The castle is built right up against that estuary. And then the town walls form a pretty sub rectangular shape behind that. So I'm walking along the walls, they're incredibly well preserved. I'm coming up to what was one of the main gatehouses here of Conway and that's too big. Medieval towers, almost like something you'd see, read about in a book or see in a film. So you have two big towers and then a little gateway that went, be- went between them, obviously. And as I say, I'm walking along the, the walls and what I'm going to do is, before I bring into the castle, I'm going to explain a little bit about the history, about why what is often regarded as one of the most impressive castles in northwestern Europe is built here at Conway. So we have to go back to the 13th century and the history of Conway in this region at that time. So the Normans had conquered England in 1066 and then pretty rapidly they took most of England and they started to encroach into south, uh, southern Wales and obviously part of that story uh, is interlinked with Irish history because obviously Strongbow was a Norman lord who lived in the south of Wales. He led the invasion of Ireland in the 1170s. But in terms of Conway, this part of Wales, which is along the north coast, wasn't conquered by the Normans. So actually by the 1250s, you have the re-emergence of a quite a powerful kingdom up here called Gwynedd. And that was ruled by a guy called Llewellyn the Great. Now, the expansion of a big powerful Welsh kingdom was not what the Norman kings of England wanted. So Henry III drove the Welsh back up much closer to around this part of where we are now in Conway, that's the north west of Wales. And then over successive generations, you've, I suppose, back and forth. But by the late, later part of the 13th century, I'm talking about the 1280s, a new king of this part of, this part of Wales, Gwynedd, emerged. His name was Llewellyn ap Griffith. And Llewellyn, I suppose, followed in the footsteps of his grandfather, who is Llewellyn the Great, and started to expand the power of this Welsh kingdom. They pushed up towards the English border. This alarmed the King of England at the time, and that was Edward I. That's the guy many of you will be familiar with because he's the king who features in the movie Braveheart. And he uh, became increasingly alarmed that a new powerful threat was emerging in the north of Wales. You have attempts over um, to, I suppose, reconcile the two's position, whether Llewellyn, this emerging king in the north of Wales, would submit to Edward. But eventually in the 1280s, a major war breaks out. This does not go well for Llewellyn. Llewellyn himself is actually killed in battle. Then his brother David is captured uh, at the foot of Snowdonia. He's hung, drawn and quartered and Edward has more or less extinguished this Welsh royal line. But now he's determined that this will not happen again, that you won't have a resurgence of uh, Welsh, uh, an independent Welsh kingdom. So what he does is he builds a network of these enormous castles all around the northwest coast of Wales, which had been the power base of Llewellyn and his father and grandfather. So they're determined this is not going to happen again. So that's where why Conway is built here. And the efforts they go to to build this castle are extraordinary. So if you've come here, you would you would see that it's often, where possible, they've built either the town walls, and I'll talk about it more with the castle, built directly onto bedrock. That means that no one can undermine it. They have, the town wall is like a real stereotypical medieval town wall. There's not ma- that many of them remaining in Ireland, but you know, where you have a tower, and then every, so you have a tower about every hundred meters, 
The wall itself, I'm just leaning out over it here. The wall itself is about, I'm guessing, 10 meters tall off the ground. Oh, it's a very impressive fortification. And it runs all around the town. And the idea was that you'd have the town wall to fortify a settlement. And then, as we're going to hear later, you would have Conway Castle as this almost impregnable royal fortress that if the king came up to Wales, he would have Conway Castle to go to. I'm going to talk about the defences of that in a while. This would become a symbol, though, Conway Town and the castle of Welsh kind of... Uh, subordination to the kings of England. The castle itself is this, it's often talked about that it's not just a, a defensive fortification, but it's very much symbolic that the King Edward and his successors have this castle, this enormous fortification, as a constant reminder to the Welsh of who's in control. And when you come here, you can see that, like if you walk the walls, if you look at the castle it's absolutely impressive i suppose impressive might not be the word or certainly was not the word that medieval welsh people probably thought when they looked at it it's much more imposing i think uh, to a degree terrifying i suppose if you're hoping to break free of uh, domination from london within the walls then a town is built and the, the idea of that town is to attract english settlers so not dissimilar to what goes on in ireland they offer very good terms and rights to these settlers to bring them in. The idea is to, pay, to make a little bit of England here in the north coast of Wales. Now the town strategically is crucially located on the coast. The idea there is that if it ever comes under attack and is besieged that it can always be replenished from the sea and that does become important uh, on a couple of occasions. It doesn't actually see that much conflict I suppose given that it was born out of a war. There is sieges, there are wars but not as much maybe perhaps as Edward I would have anticipated. Now as I say I'm walking along the town walls here, I'm walking up a pretty steep incline. It's amazing when you actually come here there's houses right up against the walls so I'd say well it's a very picturesque place you have the problem that some randomer like me could be recording a podcast early on a Sunday morning walking by your bedroom. But anyway, we'll keep going. What I'm doing is I'm going to go back up to the gatehouse I mentioned earlier. That'll allow me to get down off the town walls. Then I'm going to go get my breakfast and hopefully then I'll be able to bring it into the castle and show you around that. And hopefully it's carrying through this audio. Okay, I'll catch up with you later. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Recently, I had a minor argument with a close friend that brought up things from my past that I really needed to get off my chest. I think we've all been there. 
Now, I found therapy a really great way to work through these issues. For me, I really like online therapy, and BetterHelp is a really great online service that allows you to make space for therapy no matter how busy you are. BetterHelp is convenient, affordable, and gives you the support you need, but also works around your schedule. It's really easy to get up and running with a therapist on BetterHelp. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. You can do your sessions by text, phone, or video call, whichever suits you best. It's all about flexibility, working around your schedule. At the moment, BetterHelp are offering listeners to the show 10% off their first month. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash irishhistory today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash irishhistory. So it's a few hours later. It's just after half nine when the castle opened. And now I'm going to bring you inside what's an incredible fortress. As I explained earlier, it was built in the 1280s. And I'm going to explain the layout of the fortress when we get inside. But just as I make my way up, I'm going to explain where it was built. So Conway Castle is built on kind of a rocky escarpment that overlooks what became the town of Conway. The idea of building it on rocks or a rocky escarpment was that it couldn't be tunnelled underneath in the event of a siege. So the rocky outcrop was perfect location for that. Now today when you're going into the castle, I'm walking up a kind of a zigzag path that works its way up that kind of rock, the side of that rocky outcrop. But if you had come here in the Middle Ages, they had built this completely with defense in mind. So the way you actually access the castle was through this stone ramp that goes up about, I'm guessing, just look at the buildings around it, it's about two stories high. And this stone ramp then led to an entrance, two stories up off the ground, but it falls short of it, if you can imagine that. So the ramp goes up towards this entrance that's two stories off the ground, but as I say, falls short of it. That meant that you need to lower a drawbridge from the castle to the ramp for people to come in. Then inside that drawbridge, there was another drawbridge that you had to cross. The whole idea, obviously, is to try to protect the castle in the event of an attack. Now, from there, I've just come through what would have been that entrance. You might feel it's pretty windy here. I don't know if that, I'm sure it carries in the audio, but where that has brought me is inside what's called the Barbican of the castle. Barbican is basically a outer defense that protects the gate. So when anyone approached Conway through that really impressive entrance that I talked about, you came up and found yourself in a courtyard of a, of a kind. It's pretty small. And then in that courtyard, you have to take a sharp 90 degree turn to come into the castle. The whole idea there is to impend or impede movement so someone can't charge at the castle. So I'm just outside the main entrance and it's overlooking now the town of Conway. Even before we climb the castle walls and the towers, you have this commanding presence of the town. As I say, it's built up on that rocky outcrop. Now next, I'm going to walk in through the main gate. The main gate of Conway is actually smaller than you might imagine for a castle of this size. Again, that's with defence in mind. Inside the main gate, there's, uh, you can see what was the fixtures and fittings of all the defences inside the castle. One was a portcullis, a steel grid that would drop up from, uh, drop 
down from above. Obviously, the grid itself is gone. You can see the last fixtures of where the gates would have stood as well. So it would have been a pretty impressive set of defences just to get through the gate. So now I've come in to the courtyard though. I've walked through that gate. And just to explain the layout of the castle, if you can imagine kind of a, a figure of eight and there's eight towers along that figure of eight. And I'll explain more about that, but there's an internal wall that separates the front and the back of the castle. I'll explain more about the functions of that. But maybe what I'm going to do is climb up one of the towers to the towers that overlook and protect the gate because they really give a sense of the protections offered to the defenders of the castle. Now, earlier I mentioned the context. I'm just about to walk up that spiral staircase through one of those towers. But earlier I mentioned the whole idea that this was built in the context of an English invasion of Wales. So a huge amount of Conway Castle, or the reasons behind it, is to create this domineering presence over, not only over Conway town itself, but over the surrounding region. And that's really affected by these eight towers. They're absolutely enormous. Now I've climbed to the top of what is one of the towers that overlooks the gate and now I am like the equivalent of I'm guessing six floors above that barbican that I talked about earlier, that courtyard outside the gatehouse and if someone ends up getting into that they have an incredible challenge ahead of them with these towers. There's two towers overlooking this you know an absolutely a great military advantage for any potential defender. I'm sure you can hear that I'm pretty out of breath having climbed up there. Uh, these towers also would have functioned though as domestic residences and as I make my way through the castle, I'm going to talk a little bit more about them. They've done up some of them and put in some of the wooden floors so you do get a better sense of what they might have looked like. I'm heading back down now into the castle and out now onto a wall walk and a wall walk. As you can imagine, it is a walkway along the top of a wall. It's probably gonna get quite windy up here again. This is, as I mentioned earlier, built along the coast, intentionally built along the coast, so it can always be supplied by sea. Now I'm making my way back down through another staircase. I will say Conway is unusual compared to Irish castles in that it's kind of labyrinthine. Yesterday when we all came here together, Everyone who's on the, the, the group with me came to Conway. We actually got lost at various different points, making our way around the castle because it's full of these kind of passageways and steps leading here and there. So, but anyway, I'm making my way back down to the ground floor and I have now arrived back in the main courtyard again where I started inside the gate. And a room I want to bring you to next is the Great Hall of Conway Castle. In some ways, it's the most impressive room that survives. So Conway was built by Edward I, I've mentioned that. The idea behind the castle is that it was a royal castle. It wasn't in the hands of any one family. It's very much about establishing the influence, power, control of the kings of England over this part of Wales. So as part of that, they have a great hall. This is where obviously a king could hold court and indeed they did. So I've just come into it now. This is completely exposed to the elements today, the great hall, but back in its prime, you do get a sense of what this must have been like when Edward I was here. We do know another king, Richard III, also spent time in Conway, what this must have been like. So today there is one huge stone arch left 
that supported the roof. But you can see the spring, the arch springs in the wall that would have supported one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight huge arches would have created this real sense of uh, prestige, wealth, just to build a room like this. Again, it's that idea. You can imagine if some uh, Welsh family, you know, a, a clan member or whatever is brought in here, the sense of power alone of being in this room, the scale of it, it's that idea. It's built to impress. In terms of this room, it's maybe a little unusual in terms of what we expect in medieval castles in that it does have broader windows. A lot of medieval castles, when they're built, they're built obviously with defense in mind. So all the windows are those narrow little arrow loops you might be familiar with. Whereas here, they were able to insert quite broad windows into the castle walls. And uh, that's because the Great Hall um, is built on what is the southern side of Conway Castle and there's a sheer drop uh, below that so they didn't have to worry about anyone attempting to climb in the walls here. On the other side, so we're still in what is the outer, the castle I, I mentioned earlier is divided in two and we're still in I suppose the upper courtyard. So in a way there's the Barbican outside the gate, then we've come into this upper courtyard and then later on I'm going to talk about what I'm going to call the lower courtyard, I don't know if it's actually called that, but up here as well. There would have been buildings used as a stables. You can see the footprint of them is left, is all that's left. Most of the buildings itself are gone. Maybe they would have been built out of wood. Obviously the only thing that's going to survive the seven, yes, 700 years, 750 years this castle has survived uh, is only going to be the stone buildings. The wooden structures would obviously have long disintegrated and they're completely gone. Now, I've mentioned a couple of times, the castle is divided in two by this wall that separates what it is I've called the upper courtyard from the lower courtyard. So now I'm starting to wake, make my way towards that lower courtyard, the part that's separated off. The main gate is behind me. I'm walking down. And the way, because defence is everything that they're concerned with here, they have made this really intricate defence that divides the upper courtyard from the lower courtyard. So as I make my way down, there's another moat inside the castle. Then you make your way around a well, and now I'm looking over into this well below me. It looks like, as I said yesterday on the tour, a kind of a pit of despair. But while that's a well inside the castle, guaranteeing that in the event of a siege, the defenders would always have water, it's used as a defensive feature. I'm gonna try and take a photograph from one of the towers above of this and I'll post a PDF with this on Patreon and hopefully uh, you'll be able to see it there. But I'm making my way around the well, then you kind of have to move beside a wall and through another gate. And now you're moving into the lower courtyard, again, through a narrow arch. It's almost surprisingly narrow how um, small some of the passageways and gateways in the castle are. Obviously, the narrower the gate, the easier it is to defend. And in this separate section of the castle, I'm in what I've called the lower courtyard. This is actually what was the royal apartment. So I mentioned it's built as a royal castle. And the idea then is if you have a royal castle, you have to have royal apartments. There's still a lot of the structures of those apartments left surviving. Just one building I'm going to go look at is one of the towers back here. You might be able to hear a train line. There's a train line very close to the castle. I think you might have been able to hear that in the background there. But this, I'm moving into what was the Bakehouse Tower. And in here, 
There's actually the remains of this incredible bread oven. It must have baked absolutely amazing bread. It has a chimney incorporated into it that would have carried, obviously, uh, smoke up. Uh, and it would go right up through. I'm in the, sorry, I should explain. I'm in the bottom of a tower here. So there's one, two, three, four t uh, floors above us. And this incredible oven was incorporated into the lowest floor of that. And it's a really small little feature, but it gets across all the planning that was involved in this, because obviously they had to incorporate this at the very earliest stages of the castle. Now, I'm gonna go up a floor again. I'm still at that part of the castle that was the royal apartments. This is a little different. We were in the upper courtyard there that had the great hall. Obviously, that's where the king would have maybe entertained people. Back here in the upper courtyard, um, this is more, as I say, the royal apartments. And I think you probably have more private life back here. It's also in terms of defense, they can control who comes back here in terms of meeting the king. I'm up on the wall walk again of this section of the castle, looking down into what was actually a king's apartment. That again has one of those splendid arches, really impressive room. These huge windows to let in plenty of light. Two fireplaces, real prestige room in these royal apartments. And I'm making my way now back to the very end of, or the far side of Conway Castle. And at the back is a private, chapel again for the royal family we're just going to take a little look in there because they have renovated some of these rooms back here and hopefully even through the sound you might actually get a warmer sound than some of the sounds you've heard of that kind of echoing off a bare stone wall so let's see if that works i'm going to go into this room here i'm about to step into a room in a tower here in conway but this has been restored so there's a wooden floor so i am like three four floors up there's a nice fireplace, they've put some wood. You can imagine the fire burning here. The sound hopefully is different. You get a sense being in here of people who lived in these castles. They're not the dour stone buildings we often see. They can be, they could potentially have been very comfortable buildings for the people who could afford them. Up here on the third floor of this tower, the room isn't that big. There's a big open fireplace. You can imagine maybe if there was a tapestry on the wall, that would have helped warm the room. Then there is also a, quite a large window that allows in a lot of light because obviously we're up here. It's like, I don't know how, seven, eight, nine floors up off the river below. There's no fear that attackers are gonna come this way. And if they can get in this way, you probably have a lot of other problems. But what I'm going to do is climb to the very, very top of the castle. So as I said, there's eight towers at Conway. The back four towers have these turrets that reach right up into the sky. So I'm gonna climb up there. It'll probably be really windy, but I think it's worth just explaining to you. And maybe through that wind, you might be even able to appreciate just how high up. So yesterday when we did the tour, we all came up here. And we were kind of speculating as to why exactly they built these, real, these turrets that stretch above the rest of the castle. And again, you have to think it has something to do with the prestige involved in the castle itself. They want to, it's built to impress. So you want these turrets to reach up towards the sky as much as possible. I just passed a little stone there that says 2007. It's not actually graffiti. It was put in during restoration works. There was huge restoration works carried out here at Conway. So I'm about to step out now in this turret at the very top. 
give you a sense maybe to the wind. So this has these absolutely commanding views, not only over the castle, not only over the town, but right into Snowdonia, which obviously would have been a symbol of Welsh power when Conway Castle was built. So while I can look into Snowdonia, no doubt these towers can be seen from there too. It's windy up here, but this is only early October. I cannot imagine what this is like in the middle of winter where you have those winds whipping into from the mountains and the Irish Sea, which is just very close to here. You're so exposed up here. Again, where am I now? Like this is like the equivalent of a medieval uh, skyscraper. I have to say, I don't have a great head for heights, so I'm not gonna spend too much time up here. Oh, and suffice to say, you really get an appreciation for the symbolism involved in building this castle. And the reason I keep coming back to that symbolism is because of the amount of money they actually spent on this. So Edward I, starts building Conway and a network of other castles around the northwest coast of Wales. This whole idea is to end the revolts that I talked about at the start of the show forever. Like the idea is that they're going to control it. But at Conway, they spent £15,000. Now, the equivalent of £15,000, you know, coming up with a modern equivalent is very difficult. Some people say it's £45 million, but that doesn't fully explain the value of what £15,000 was at the time when this was built. Maybe a better uh, comparison might be the fact that in the 1290s, that was when Ireland's exchequer when the Royal Exchequer took the most out of Ireland. And in one year, the best year ever, they only took slightly over 9,000 pounds. So the entire tax take from Ireland, nearly two years of that was spent building Conway. So if you're gonna invest in it, you think it's gonna to have to have this huge purpose. But truth be told, even though it's a royal castle, not that many kings spend time here. Edward I, who built it, is here twice. Uh, once, once he's trapped here in 1294 after a rebellion, probably a rebellion actually that's uh, linked to an Irish rebellion. There may have been some level of contact between the Welsh and the Gaelic Irish at that point. That's a story for another day. But what I'm getting at here is that Edward doesn't spend very much time here. And part of the reason then, if he's not going to be here, but if you build this really impressive castle, it's kind of your replacement in a way. The king doesn't have to be here because this castle is here to an extent, but also it can be the way it's been built, it could be refortified at any point in the event of a new outbreak of a rebellion. Now, Conway does fall on one occasion in its long history. It's generally considered to be impregnable. It does fall during a Welsh revolt in the 15th century, although it's thought that it fell through subterfuge. So it's not through a direct assault, but like there's a, someone managed to convince a guard maybe to leave a door open, that kind of thing. Now that, that probably underplays what happened, but you get the idea. It's very much the idea that this castle could be stormed militarily. It's nearly impossible. You, you walk around here today and you just wonder where someone would even begin on that front. Even as I'm standing here now, I'm up on one of the wall walks and you really get an appreciation. So on two sides, it's surrounded by water. On the other two sides, it's a walled town where I began the show. So obviously to take the castle, someone would have to take the town first, break through the defenses there. Now, I did mention that in 1294, there was a siege that went on for a while, but that, that siege, while it was successful in taking parts of the town, didn't take the castle. 
So I hope this has translated somewhat into an audio tour of Conway Castle. It's a fantastic place and I'm going to leave it there. Next week, I'll be back with an episode on the hunt for Nazi spies in Ireland in the Second World War. Until then, Sloan. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.